Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and, of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome to it. It is the Wednesday edition of the Michael Duke Show. That would be the hump day edition of the program today, and we're mixing things up a little bit. That's right. Normally on Wednesdays in, uh, in, uh, on Wednesdays in the second hour, we are generally joined by our friend Mike Schauer, who is the GOP senator, state senator for District E, what is currently District E. Uh, but this morning, we're actually, we've mixed things up a bit. We're going to have him on the program here in hour one, and uh, we're going to have the full hour with him talking about things that are going on in the Senate and what the future of the session looks like and blah, 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 blah. And then in hour two, we're going to pick it up uh, right away uh, in hour two with Kevin J. McCabe, uh, representative for District 8 in the House out in Big Lake, uh, my representative out there, and he's going to talk to us about the retaliatory measures, retaliatory measures against uh, Washington State's new fuel tax that they're talking about, what it could mean for Alaska and what he's doing to try and fight that. Uh, and so we're going to have that discussion in our two of the program. It's a full show today. It's a full boat. Tomorrow on the program, uh, looking like we're going to have uh, Tuckerman Babcock, uh, who's going to be joining us. Uh, and uh, we're also hoping that uh, Elishaba Dorkson will be joining us as well. She's the author of uh, the new book uh, talking about her life under Papa Pilgrim, and uh, we're going to talk about that hopefully as well tomorrow. So that's kind of what we have lined up uh, for tomorrow, tentatively. So we're, we're working on that right now. So hopefully that's all going to come out. But uh, meanwhile, Let's jump right into it with both feet, shall we? Let's just do it. Let's uh, let's get it started. The Shower Hour of Power, as we so quaintly have named it. Uh, State Senator Mike Shower joins us this morning, and we're going to kick off uh, the hour right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am one hour earlier. How are you? You're good, except you're echoing really badly. So I don't know if it's your smartphone, your speakerphone, whatever it is, but... Uh, I have a tin can. I got a tin can on my end here, buddy. Uh, so maybe we could uh, see w- if we can get that fixed. Is this any better? Uh, it's a little better. Still, still tin canny. Still tin canny. Still tin canny, man. I don't. My phone. I don't know why. Uh, it's it's a little better. Okay. Well, we'll continue on. If it gets bad, I'll we'll we'll have you reconnect and we'll we'll try that again. Um, all right, well, Mike. Well, we got the we got the the real show. We you know we've seen some of the uh, we've seen some of the curtains be pulled back now that uh, the uh, the House has uh, um, has or excuse me the Senate has now decided to uh, uh, run forward with SB one ninety nine and SB two hundred. Uh, this is the deal that um, 
the <laughs> that the co-chairs of finance said, oh, this is what we planned from last year. This is what we said we were going to do. Although I had to laugh because Gary Stevens said, well, I didn't think there really was an agreement, but I guess it makes sense. We'll see if we can get it to the floor. Now, this is unusual. Let's talk about this for a second, because normally they don't take things to the floor unless somebody's counted noses and understands where the vote's going and what's happening with that. Um, and so this makes this a little bit unusual. You want to explain this to us? Well, here's what's interesting about this. Excuse me. This is a, the shower hour of power at a slightly earlier hour is not helping my voice at all. Yeah, I can see that more, Um, more coffee is needed immediately. (laughs) I tried to make it rhyme. How'd I do? I'm a poet. Didn't know it. You're a long fellow. Yep. I am. I really am. So yeah, last year in the third special session, after we had the fiscal plan working group, that bipartisan group in between the second and third one, seems like there's so many to lose track. They brought up from Senate finance, Senate Bill 53. And what that bill did was it destroyed everything um, from the fiscal plan working group's perspective, even though leadership in both bodies, for the most part, has failed to even bother to acknowledge the working group plans or, or real fiscal solutions that don't fit their narrative. Because... Instead of having a fiscal plan um, tie between changing the formula and a constitutional amendment to protect the dividend of the permanent fund moving forward, instead of having a spending cap tied to taxes and reductions in spending so that it was all one package and brought you know enough people from both sides of the aisle to pass it, what Stedman and Bishop and whoever did that came up with this, because I don't know the, the author precisely, because they, they do this stuff obviously behind closed doors in little groups that you sometimes see meeting together, coming out of somebody's offices, you know, and somebody notices, hey, you know that somebody's, so-and-so came out of somebody's office, right? I mean, that kind of stuff going on all the time. And they had put in the poison pill of saying that, you know, it wouldn't pass if it didn't have $700 million of new taxes in it, which is bogus because we never came up with a number even remotely like that. They completely divorced it from the constitutional amendment, which they knew would destroy any chance of it really passing because what they want, Mike, is they want the money. We've talked about this. They want the dividend to be their little piggy bank that they can raid and use for whatever they want, whenever they want it, because the Supreme Court, in its ultimate injustice, decided we don't have to follow the law, and even in some cases, the Constitution, apparently, right? So they did that on purpose because they knew it likely wouldn't pass. They did it at the last minute. We were able to use the number of votes we had to kill that bill because it destroyed everything we were working towards with a comprehensive bipartisan fiscal solution. Well, some of those powerful players, the old guard, didn't like that very much. Well, guess what they've done? They've resurrected it like the phoenix from the ashes. It's back. And now it's Senate Bill 199, so Senate Bill 200 are kind of that package of the 75-25, 75% of what's left to the government, 25% poultry. Here's your, have the, let them eat cake. And the method for it, the other bill, which is Okay, we're going to give you an eleven hundred dollar PFD this year, or twelve hundred dollars next year, twelve hundred dollars after that, maybe thirteen hundred dollars after that, and four or five years down the road, Charlie Brown, we promise we're not going to pull the football off of you. <laughs> we're going to take a look at that good old fifty-fifty formula. Right, it's back, Mike, in yeah. full form because they're not going to give up. This is what they want. They do not want the people to have an equal split. I do not understand. I understand people on this program even get mad about going off the of statutory. I get it. I understand that, but we don't have enough people to vote for a statutory dividend. We're going to try. I'm going to try again. I know myself, Wolkowski, others. We're going to try. 
but we're going to get voted down again. We do every single time on statutory. And then we try for a 50-50. We get voted down on that. You saw the Senate president waffle back and forth on that, you know, last year in the votes, last minute. And so then we end up with they just pick some arbitrary amount. So that's where we are. We're back at the exact same battle again. We're, I think the dynamics have shifted based on how much money, like you and I were talking about, has flown. Has flown. It's not that it is. just dumped into the state between federal money, which is funny money. It doesn't really exist, right? We're printing it, so I'm not the biggest fan of that. But our own money, over a billion of unexpected revenue from the price of oil spiking. Temporary, but it's here to use, right? We can help our people. And, of course, the stock market is booming with the permanent fund, and the earnings have gone through the roof. So this lie of the narrative being pushed by certain politicians and big special interest groups um, and the press, which is complicit in continuing to spread the narrative, is that we can't afford it, Mike. We just can't afford a full statutory dividend. Heck, man, we can't even really afford 50 50. That's bogus. That's so ridiculous. Bogus. I mean, in freaking kindergarten, I'll look at that and go, you're stupid. Who, who comes up with these ideas? Well, right? I mean, that's the reality of the battle. Anybody, who, right anybody who thinks that is obviously hallucinating, you know, hallucinating and taking LSD. I mean, that's what the Senate. Uh, uh, the the chair of finance has said that you know anybody who thinks that is just hallucinating and uh, you know monkeys must have built the budget and all the other disdainful things we've might, heard. That guy wants to have his fingers on the money. All he cares about is controlling the money. Period. It has nothing to do with what's best for the state. Has nothing to do with best for its people. Because who's the middle class and the poor? Mike, that is most of the population, only a fraction of the population, a small fraction, is wealthy or even in the upper middle class. The bottom three quarters or so of the middle class, which continues to get hammered and the poor, are the ones that get screwed. And they seem to forget that's most people. Right. It's not the very small percentage that runs around in the elite power circles with the Anchorage Democratic News editorial board and at the wealthy meetings and with their little buddies. That's not who most of the people are. They may think they're right or they have support because those people have money, but the reality is, Mike, over nine out of every ten people are in that category of the bottom part of the middle class or the poor. And they're the ones who vote. And there's a reason why all these names we go through over the last five, six years are no longer with us in the political realm because people are pissed off and tired of them lying to them. Right. Oh, I support a dividend. I support a full dividend. They do something entirely different every time they get elected. Look at, the, look at Stebbins' video from 2017. We should be doing the 50-50 plan. I'm excited. This is a great thing. He's got a video on briefing the plan. Right. And now he's like, no, we can't afford that. Right. So really, dude? <laughs> Come on, guys. Well, and, 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 I, and as much as I wanted you to tear apart the plan, I also wanted you to talk specifically about the procedure here. Because, again, it's a little unusual to bring things to the floor without counting the votes and, and you know, that this process is going through. Now, you have asked for several of the bills to come out and just go to the floor and let's just talk about them and debate them and vote them and amend them and do everything like that. But you have not been successful with any of those. This one, though, this one will go straight out to the floor, no problem. Uh, it can be, which, again, is unusual. Uh, I thought this was a caucus of equals, brother. I mean, I thought that if if somebody else had a bill that wanted to go out, they could happen. If you had a bill to go out, it, I mean, I thought you guys were all partners in this. Uh, yeah, that would be nice, except it's not true. As we have gone over multiple times here, certain members get their bills moved and heard no problem. Other members of the caucus of equals get nothing. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I have my primary bill, my priority bill. I was even asked by the Senate president, 
earlier this session, you know, the beginning, hey, what's your priority bill? Tell me, I'll help you out. I'm like, don't even bother. I didn't even respond to it. I'm like, no. He made an excuse for why, you know, the uh, Senate finance co-chair just sat on it, you know, and said, oh, you know, well, he had some issues and whatever. And I'm like, oh, so everybody else's bill, your bills, including Democrats, get moved right on through and my bill just gets out of my one bill. My priority bill just sits. Nothing. Right. So, no, Mike, we're not a caucus of equals on a whole number of fronts. It's right. garbage. I'm sick and tired of dealing with it. I'm not even I'm not even worrying to respond to it anymore because I know it's just a lie. Right. It's an absolute lie. Well, I, and so, I think that's and, I think that's interesting because um, I had a conversation with uh, some of my folks down in Juneau here the last couple of days and uh, some other stuff came to light. And I'm going to get your take on that as well. Uh, I don't want to put you in hot water, but uh, since I've heard the rumors, maybe I can get some confirmations or not or whatever. And we'll talk about that in a second with State Senator Mike Shower. I mean, we're right here on the break, so why not take it? We're going to be back with more, talking to Senator Mike Schauer about the caucus of equals. We're all equal. I'm sure we'll all be treated fairly. Maybe not so much. (laughs) Oh, man. You got to love the rhetoric that just comes out of some of these people. We're going to talk about that here in just uh, a moment. Don't go anywhere. Mike Shower is our guest. It's the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, in the break right now, State Senator Mike Shower is our guest. It is the early edition of the Shower Hour of Power. <laughs> Are you warmed up now? Are you up to speed? You ready to go? Uh, blood pressure, temperature rising, so we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting, we'll get you spun up one way or the other. You'll be you'll be rocking and rolling on full flamethrower mode by the time the whole thing is uh, is uh, is all done and uh, and ready to go. Um. <laughs> I don't even know what to talk about during the break because I mean I really want to get into some of this stuff that I I've heard over the last couple of days and uh, get your because t- I know that you're not afraid to try and give me the straight dope as much as you can. Again, I don't want you to step on anybody too hard, but uh, I think that Alaskans deserve to know what's going on in the legislature. I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting to say you know this this uh, this article in the ADN talking about uh, you know uh, SB199 and SB200 and they quote uh, you know they quote uh, Willikowski saying well this is not typically how we do things uh, but the Senate president's like oh we're just going to let it flow and see what leaves the Senate and then Stedman and Bishop are like well this is what we agreed to last year at the end of the session and it's just you know the we were uh, you know this is what we agreed to and then stevens was like well i'm not sure there was ever really an agreement but i guess it makes sense we'll get it to the floor and see where the votes are again something that is t- traditionally just doesn't happen right i mean they're usually in the back room counting heads and saying are you for it or are you against it are you for it or are you against it and they've already cuz they get embarrassed i guess is that it they get embarrassed when something goes to the floor and doesn't make it is that the is that the whole premise here well, remember, Mike, they crave control. And if they can't control the process, they don't want to do it. This whole thing has always been about power and control, right, ultimately? 
Right. So they crave that power and control. And if they bring something to the floor where they can't control it to be in line with their own personal narrative and agenda and what they want, then typically they don't do it. That's how the power has worked. It's one of the problems with the binding caucus. They always knew that they had, at the end, the fix was in. They were going to get whatever they wanted ultimately because they were going to coerce and bully people into doing what they wanted under threat of punishment. Right. That's the way it works, Mike. It may be a felony for you to do that to me as an elected official, but elected officials in Alaska can do that to each other all day long. Because as I found out when I filed ethics complaints, it doesn't matter because, well, there's nothing to see or they did nothing wrong. Why not? Well, because there's nothing that says they did anything wrong. Oh, okay. So as long as you don't tell me it's wrong, it's not wrong. Got it. Um, so it's, it kind of goes down that path. And I, quite frankly here, what I think is happening is that um, the leadership in the Senate majority knows that their caucus is going to unravel if they don't move some of this, because a number of us have made it crystal clear with our own personal bills being held, with the fiscal plan working group things being held, that if we don't start moving stuff, we're done. And quite frankly, I think the Democrats are pretty upset, too, in the Senate, that right. things are being held and we're not actually working on the plan. And here's the problem, though, right? What are we seeing? Well, we're seeing SB 53, basically, right? Senate Bill 199. We're seeing their plan. We're not seeing the fiscal plan working group. We're not seeing a balanced perspective. We're seeing Stedman's plan. Right. Is essence, in essence, what is being pushed forward. So, fine. It'll come out, and you're right. We don't normally do business this way, but then, you know what? Then it's fair game on the floor. Who's going to vote for it? How we may amend it? What changes it? You know, so we'll see what happens. Don't think they don't have tricks up their sleeve. I'm not stupid. Right. I know they're going well, to do everything in the world to kill it if it doesn't end up how they want it, but that's what's going on at, at the base. Well, and thankfully, uh, thankfully, there was no binding caucus this year, so at least they can't hold that over your head. But, I mean, that really was the way that it was done in the past. The strong arming went on. I mean, you didn't vote for my bill, you didn't vote for my procedural move, then uh, then you're out, baby. You're on the outs. Uh, again, coercion at the at the biggest level. And although this caucus of equals appears to not be equal, and we're going to go into that here wow. in just a second, um, you know, we keep getting soothed that, oh, no, this is just the way things go. This is just the way things are and, and everything. I mean, it's insane. You got you got 40 seconds here before we jump back in. No, you got it. I mean, that's it. That's where we are. It's the base at the base level. It's about power and control always was. They're pissed off that they're losing it. And quite frankly, Mike, let's just be in the last 20 seconds. What's happening is their group of their circle of power is shrinking. Right, And I think they're partially getting desperate because there's less of them and there's being more of those of us that want to respect the will of the people, including over the dividends. So times are changing and desperate people start to do desperate things. Yeah. All right. We'll hold the line. We're going to jump back into it here with Mike Schauer, uh, GOP State Senator for District E. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. We're not on Twitch this morning. Something broke. So we're just on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, like and share. Let's do it. All right, <clears throat> continuing now with Mike Shower. It's the Shower Hour of Power. We were just talking about the Caucus of Equals. The Caucus of Equals. Um, because that was the promise, right? I mean, now that there was no binding caucus, it was a Caucus of Equals. Oh, but it's hard to herd cats and do all this kind of stuff. We keep hearing. Yet we keep seeing these uh, these cracks in that veneer. We keep seeing these things that maybe it's not a caucus of equals. I mean, again, all these bills moving out of certain committees, but some bills 
priority bills, their one thing that they want to move just gets buried in committee and then excuses gets made. Uh, we was talked before about getting this election report and uh, asking for an affidavit and the and the presiding officer waffled on that. It wouldn't do that. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to we don't want to hurt friends and, and do all that. We want to we want to do the right thing. And then I heard yesterday from one of my contacts down in Juneau, we were talking about some of the behind-the-scenes baseball, and I hear about this fund. Now, this is called the Senate Majority Re-Election Fund, and it's a it's a kitty where they everybody they gather money, they raise money, and it's supposed to be for the Senate Majority uh, for their re-election campaigns. Now, everybody's up for re-election this year, except for Donnie Olson, but every senator's up for re-election. But this is specifically for the minority, and I heard... Uh, Mike, that um, while the money was being doled out, <clears throat> the caucus of equals may not. Some animals apparently are more equal than others. Apparently, some of the favored fruit got uh, uh, double the money. Some people got half. Some people got others. And it, I mean, it, it, it was they're not huge amounts, but I think it's the principle of the thing. This whole idea that oh, we're caucus of equals, and all of a sudden. Uh, somebody's getting 500 and somebody else is getting a thousand and you're like well wait a second we're all up for re-election shouldn't this be spread out equally i mean what's uh, is this is this the truth go go on here tell us what's going on well um i wasn't prepared to talk about that i wasn't going to bring that one up except as internal baseball like you said but you said it so um i will confirm it because i had a rumor in the building probably about three three four weeks ago some people were talking about it um, on the Republican side in the Senate. Um, they had heard this from some of their party officials at the district meetings or, you know, whatever took place where they talked about this. And um, they were pretty, pretty doggone angry. And I heard that. I'm like, well, I'm pretty angry. Now, I haven't confronted anybody yet about it. I hadn't even gone there, but I guess maybe I'm going to have to now. <laughs> it's out on the right. radio. But, um, yeah, I was home this past weekend because we had a Matsu Town Hall for our delegation. We do it once a session. And I was talking to somebody fairly high up in the party, and I and it's ironic you mentioned this. It must be spreading pretty quick because um, I confronted him, and I said, "Hey, I heard this, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I'm so busy, I haven't had time to run to ground. But what's the deal with this?" And he's like, "Absolutely, that's what happened." I'm like, "So you're telling me that myself, and this is what I heard, Michael, but I'll throw it out there because it will make sense when you hear it. Myself, Roger Holland, Shelley Hughes, and uh, this is the rumor, at least, but he did confirm it for me." And Rob Myers, the four kind of, you know, really, you know, conservatives, not including Ryan Bolden, Costello, and others, but I mean, that's just what I've heard, the numbers, were sent a check for $500 for the re-election campaign, you know, from right. that fund. Right. And that people like Stedman, Bishop, Reback, whoever else, I don't know all the, I don't remember all the names, I don't know if I have them all, were given like $900 or maybe 1400 or whatever, they were given more. And I just had to sit back and think to myself, I'm looking at them, I'm going, really? He's like, yeah, some of us weren't happy either. I'm like, I have to think to myself that in this caucus of equals, the amount is irrelevant. It could have been fifty dollars and a hundred dollars, you know, to different people. Right, could. right, right. The fact that you would take a Senate majority fund that is to help all of us, and you would take the more conservative members that just like in the binding caucus get punished if they don't do what they're told, who are the more rebellious ones? You know, it's like Costello, Ryan Bold, myself, Myers Hughes, Holland, you know, whatever. And we're now punished instead of via the binding caucus. Apparently, we're punished via financial. Because I'm so, you've got to be kidding me. So you just mentioned a couple we've talked about. Subpoena for Von Imhoff wanted it for LBNA gets it. I want a subpoena for a, a statewide election effort, you know, trying to right. um, get a report that helps me do better legislation. Denied. 
Um, my bills and others don't go through for certain members. Other members go through it now. Some of us get less money from the fund than others. And, you know, I had to think of different things trying to make it, you know, figure out an excuse. And I'm, again, I guess now I'm going to have to confront them. But, you know, I'm like, uh, there's no rhyme or reason I could see to it. Right. From, um, you know, well, this person filed for that seat, this person didn't, or they have a tough race, so they don't. I'm like, Roger Holland's going to have a tough race. Geisel's jumped back in, God help us. Right. Um, you know, my race would be pretty easy. Uh, kind of, I would think maybe, I mean, who knows? But the point is, Michael, every time I turn around, there's something else that is done that proves conclusively we're no caucus of equals. We're a caucus of haves and have-nots. We're a caucus of old guard or the new types that are coming in or the, the younger or different ones. We are a caucus of um, people that you know believe in the PFD and a caucus that don't. We're you know want to support what the people want or we go our own way and blow the people up. We're a different caucus, Mike. We are not a Senate Majority Caucus United. We are basically two caucuses. Right. And every time I turn the corner, this kind of garbage goes on. So I am so sick and tired of hearing this and being treated this way and putting up with us. And I know you're going to ask why you're still on it. We've talked about it. Because there are still things that I am trying to do, like election reform, that if we blow it apart now, I can't get. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Right. What am I supposed to do? Bail out of it and do nothing with some of these things like the election, you know, issues that we're working on? Or bail out and just start throwing spears? And get right. nothing done. Am I supposed to, you know, sit around and take this kind of crap, which I don't want to, um, and then, you know, let some kind of musk ox caucus form again? And God knows where, what we're going to get from that. Right. Mike, it's, it, this is an impossible task. Well, and, and it's even made more impossible by some of the, I mean, misinformation, I guess I should say. the the. I mean, maybe you could just call it flat out lying. I mean, you hear again, the Senate president tells you one thing on your subpoena, but uh, Von Imhoff gets hers, no problem. I mean, he's got no problem ruffling feathers or hurting people's feelings over there. And I got all kinds of excuses the last time. But we're hearing more and more of this about how, oh, it's, 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 this is, this is the way. I'm doing the best thing that I can do. And yet we see some of the, and this came out lately in his last bill. Uh, Senate President uh, Machiki has got this this uh, reform bill for uh, for uh, uh, alcohol for the for the licensing and for the tap rooms and all this kind of stuff. He's been working on this thing for years, and it's been pretty contentious. But I guess one of the things that I heard is that he was working hard, uh, especially in the Matsu, because the Matsu's growing. And there's a licensure question on that where they wanted to expand the licenses as the area grew. And uh, and and he agreed to that and said, oh, yeah, that's a good thing because, you know, that's uh, that's what we need. Because if an area is growing, then we've got to allow the law to basically grow with the area and everything else. And then when it came time and it got out on the on the floor and there were some discussions going on, he's like, oh, it went too far. We don't like that. Uh, so he says one thing to one group to to hear what they want to say. Oh yeah, well we we believe in that ex, you know expansion via the growth of the community for more liquor licenses. We agree with that. And then once it gets to the thing, well I just think we've gone too far. We can't do that. And 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 we double back. I mean, it, if this is the kind of stuff that's going on, this kind of uh, out of one side of the mouth and then five seconds later out of the other side, how can anything? Get, how can we trust anybody? How can how is the average Alaskan? supposed to believe anything that they hear at this point when this stuff goes on how are they supposed to how are they supposed to understand and trust any explanation at this point michael in that building with the exception of a handful of people that seem to be good and honorable like ben carpenter sarah vance 
Kevin McCabe, and I'm not excluding anybody to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just throwing a couple people out, you know, to give give a shout out to my colleagues in the House that continue to be freaking trampled over by the Democrat minority in that body um, because they have power. Thank you, Kelly Merrick. Um, so I don't trust anybody anymore. I have been lied to so many times. I have been stabbed in the back so many times in, in the short five years. It doesn't feel like five years that I've been doing this. That I'm, I am down to doing. We we used to use the Ronald Reagan quote in the F-22 operational test and evaluation that was on our patch. It said trust but verify, because we didn't necessarily right. trust the contractor, right? <laughs> right, right. Billions of dollars. Yeah, they'll lie to you. They'll tell you whatever they want. Oh yeah, we'll fix that. We'll do this. So I'm kind of, you know what? I don't trust anybody. I'm like, I'm a trust but verify. If you tell me something, oh, when you actually vote for it, when you actually honor your word, well then I'll trust you on that issue. But Michael, people speak out both sides of their mouth here all the time. The freaking politicians. They're excellent at spin, telling you one thing that they can, you can never nail them down on, saying one thing and doing another. This happens all the time. As politicians, you know it. We all know this intrinsically. I'm just having to deal with it every day. But you're right about the alcohol one. I'll tell you right now, the Matsu delegation is pissed because we did work in judiciary in the Senate last year to expand it so that the Valley, as you said, was growing, um, could do that. And we were told by the Senate president, Machiki's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that way to work well. I'll tell you what, our, our Valley delegation, like, the, you know, while Silver Mayor stuff was coming through this week, and she saw me and others, and they are fired up right now because Machiki and the House said, yeah, yeah, they went too far, and that needs to be gutted. I'm like, you told us you were fine with it. And you deal with this crap all day long, Mike, all the time, it wears on you because you can't trust anybody's word. They tell you one thing and do something else, and it happens all the time. So, right. you know, when people say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Well, freaking, I am trying. But how do you do this when you are dealing with people that won't be honest with you and won't do and follow through on their word? You're, you know, and then you have stuff like, you know, what's going on with the Senate Bill 199, and they're going to shove that thing down our throats and try to get it out there. And, and I had a meeting with some, and they were talking about, well, you know, if we just do this and that, and I'm like, you think I'm going to go home to the people back in my district that overwhelmingly support the statutory PFD, much less going to 50-50, which is hard enough to, to tell people and say I'm compromising on that, but only if it goes in the Constitution. And then they kind of, well, okay, we're not going to shoot you and tar and feather you in that case. But you want me to go home and tell people I'm going to, you know, $1,100, $1,200, right. $1,300, right. No, I deal with this crap every day. And it is so in, in just incredibly frustrating to know with this mic. And I go, you know, who do you trust? Honestly, and then you got big lobbyists and unions coming through and threatening people and, you know, controlling and coercing them in their own way about support or no support and all this stuff. I mean, it's a it's modern day Rome, brother. It is. Well, I mean, this Truly, this, you know? this comes back to our charter of changes again. I mean, if we keep seeing these actions, then the players need to be changed. Um, and and look, I've I've had my beefs with uh, Peter Machicki on a couple of these things. I mean, he sat there with Clem Tillian and signed the PFD pledge that he was going to fight for the full PFD. And when the time came to vote for the full PFD, he blinked <clears throat> and voted against it and then voted for the 50-50 and then told us later that, well, I mean, I voted. I didn't want to vote for the full one because I didn't want to raise anybody's hopes. Wait, that's... <laughs> that's what you said you were going to do when you signed that pledge from Clem Tilly. How many times can you can you say something to our face and do something completely different, try to justify it, and the people aren't like, nope, that's it, I'll take another one, please? I mean, how many times can that happen? Well, I told you, Mike, I'm done You know, playing that particular game. I don't trust 
really anybody anymore. They tell me one thing. I'm just looking, you know, I'm trying to look behind their back and go, is your fingers crossed? You know, do you have a knife back there when I turn around? What are you going to do? So, I mean, that's just kind of how I operate anymore. You, you have to in that building. You have to guard your heart. And um, you have to just assume that, quite frankly, you know, if somebody's lips are moving, they're probably lying to you, or at least they are only telling you half-truths, and they're spinning it. And, you know, if they don't move some of this stuff right now in the Senate, um, you know, I think at some point you will see the caucus break apart because, like I said, it's not just half the Senate majority that's angry. I know the Democrats, a lot of them were upset that we're not doing anything. I mean, look, I mean— you had one, two, couple members of the Senate majority and, and several members of the Senate minority that were on the fiscal plan working group. And, you know, we're angry because nothing's being worked on that, you know, all the work we did to, to come up with comprehensive solutions. And, you know, we were talking about this, Mike, and go, why would you divorce something so simple on Senate Bill 99 and this Senate Bill 200, you know, 7525 and this long-term plan? When the constitutional amendment we came up with that you was, remember, Mike, unanimously agreed upon. Yep. by liberals and conservatives, Republicans and Democrats in that group. And it was very simple. It said the PFD shall be paid every year in accordance with the statute. Any change of the statute must be approved by the people. Simple, clean, no formula. You change the statute to make it a 50-50, we're done. It's protected. It's there forever. We can't screw with it again unless the people vote for it, for a change, which they never will, which was our safety valve. How can you get more simple? And don't tell me you can't afford a 50-50. That's garbage. At this point, with the current earnings, it's another three quarters of a billion dollars to the government every year. Don't right. give me this crap. You know, we don't have votes for payback, you know, for what we've already taken from everybody. I don't know if we have votes for statutory PFD, but I, I do think we'll get a higher PFD this year. Because some of these people are going to hate it, and I'm going to laugh if we do. Um, but I know a lot of Democrats and others are getting real nervous because it's a campaign year again. Right. Oh, we better pay a bigger dividend or we're going to be in trouble. Well, and I love, so I love, something. and but, I love the argument that, well, we couldn't pay this full PFD because you'd have to tax everybody. You're taxing everyone right now by taking the PFD. And in fact, you're taxing the middle and lower income Alaskans, which as you point out, is the vast majority of the state more than anybody else. It's a disproportionate tax on top of it. And, of course, you're sucking all the oxygen out of the room at the same time because it's consuming all the time of the legislature to fight about the dividend. Let's just get it into the Constitution, get it protected, make the decisions, admit that we've got a spending problem, and fix it. I know. I agree. Which is exactly what the working group said. I'm going to keep hammering that over and over again. That's what the working group said. Here's the solutions, and we can do this. And, yes, it is a tax because we are hurting people. That is one of the biggest things to me, Mike, is I am sick and tired of watching the middle class, you know, at least the bottom three quarters, because I would be in the top of the middle class. I can live without it. But I'm sick and tired of watching the, the, the least or the most vulnerable financially amongst us get the shaft, right. which is most of the people in the state, right? Because most of our population is the bottom two-thirds or three-quarters of the middle class and the poor. That's most people. And they're always getting the shaft, and I'm sick of it. If for no other reason than not watching that group get hit again and again, I'm not going to support anything less than a 50-50. I won't do it. And if we have to come up with a, a real small sales tax or a few other things, or maybe even at this point, oil you know, per barrel credit change or something to get there, so be it. I'm sick and tired of watching it always fall on the backs of the middle class and the poor to take <clears> up the slack so that yeah. the wealthy and the businesses and nobody else has to take it. I don't want a billion-dollar tax in the oil company, no. But if you can tell me they can't help us with a couple hundred million and then we can't do a sales tax and then – the three quarters of a billion that a 50 50 plan gives them baloney kiss my you know what i'm right. sick and tired of playing that game 
You know, no, I, I helped I, the oil companies up to this point with ballot measures. Yeah, I'll vote against it. You know, to save your PNC. Well, how's that working out for you? Yeah. I'm getting sick of people lying to me, Mike, and taking advantage of us and screwing the poor and the middle class. I'm done with it. Well, and the, fis- the fiscal pl- the fiscal policy working group came up with a plan that include all of those elements. New taxes, taxes on oil, all these other kind of things, reductions in spending, the whole schmear. And they all agreed to it, as you pointed out, both progressives and conservatives and everybody in between. And yet the powers that be just say, no, I'm sorry, we we can't do that. We want business as usual because we want to hold it in our hands. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to be back with Mike Schauer, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, in the break now with State Senator Mike Schauer. <laughs> I mean, you have just described the most untenable position that anybody could ever have at this point. I mean, how can you how do you work with people? How do you work through a process with people? who basically tell you one thing on one side of your face and and then flip-flop later on and do something else. Or say one thing, do something completely different, then offer excuses and just justify everything that they're doing. On t- I mean, how do you, you know, how, how does anything even get done at this point? Well, clearly, you know, for the most part, as you can tell, nothing gets done, right? Or what does get done is not necessarily the best interest of the people much of the time. So, you know, do I have to go back to my Roger Holland quote? He was surprised at the slow pace at which we accomplish absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly. Well, that and the dumpster fire, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Dumpster this fire. whole thing He's is a dumpster fire. Ones. He's got some classics that should go down in the history books. He does. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, just watching this, and I mean, I'm frustrated. We haven't heard from the Senate president in a while. Uh, he was, you know, wanted to come on and give us updates and everything else, and we haven't heard from him. And then we're, every time I talk to somebody down in Juneau, there's something else that comes up that's happened in the background that nobody's really hearing about because you guys are all isolated down there in the bubble, and nobody, you know, you got to talk to somebody who's in the know, who's actually working, you know, behind the scenes, and you got to talk to them at fear of their job to talk about it, uh, just to get the information because our our journalists aren't doing any job they're not digging on anything they're taking the press releases and you know wordsmithing them down to basically news instead of investigating what's actually going on and it's just it's as a as a taxpayer or you know citizen uh i i'm frustrated by the whole thing i can't imagine what it must be like to be there yeah well you mean we i, I do my best you know that i mean i talk to you and other radio hosts and, you know, every week with you and, and others once or twice every couple of weeks. And I just try to do Facebook lives once or twice a week and put stuff out on social media and do my best. But Mike, as I've told you, you know, there is going to be a black hole of information because most of the information gets out still through things like the Anchors Democratic Daily News, the Fairbanks News Miner, the Frontiersman, which is a freaking left-wing rag, the Juno Empire, and these people are left-wing ideologues. They took over the press a long time ago, so they, they spin it, right? They suppress news they don't want out. Right. They highlight news that they want to push, and it's not news anymore. So, you know, in this particular case, orange man bad? Well, the dude was right. Fake news. He finally got the American people to wake up and call them out, and he's not wrong about that. The reason it's fake news 
is because it's all news that they want. They suppress. You know, when you look at Ottawa or you know the the trucker convoy, this is amazing, and they, you know that clearly is you know tens of thousands of people and thousands of vehicles and trucks and you know the whole thing. And I watched something from the Canadian broadcast, you know, service CBC or whatever it was, and it said, "Oh, the truckers are rallying in Ottawa because of their working conditions." It was a headline <laughs> in the CBC broadcast, <laughs> and I go. If you ever had a question about the honesty, integrity, and the state of the news in the world today, they are nothing more than propaganda arms for the government, for the wealthy, for the special interest. That's what they are, Mike. If you had an honest press in Alaska, every one of those big papers would have been talking about the fiscal plan working group and the solutions that were provided from conservatives, liberals, Republicans, and Democrats to go, holy crap, look. There's solutions. How come you guys aren't talking about this? Hey, leadership, they'd be asking hard questions in all their leadership briefings in front of the cameras. How come you guys aren't working on this? How come you, but did they say anything? Nope. Keep. Nothing. No. Did they talk about the people being hurt by the dividend getting taken? Nope. That's not the message. Uh-uh. We're not going to talk about that. Did they talk about scandals and things that take place? Nope. We're not going to talk about that. Do they talk about these things by and large? No, they don't, Mike. Because it doesn't fit the narrative, and they don't want to hurt their friends. But yet, if there's one bad thing about a you know a conservative Republican, oh boy, we'll see that on the front page for days. Right. right. Exactly. If I have an election bill, they don't write. I'm a white supremacist and a racist, and they'll print that all day long. Yeah. They'll lie through their teeth. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I saw something yesterday. The Alaska landmine made a comment about one of the people that's running as a Democrat for uh, I think it's for the for the state house, and uh, she makes some kind of comment about she never listens to a white man's opinion. And uh, and everybody jumped on landmine uh, landfield for oh you're just caught you're you're just doing that that's just nothing it was just a joke blah 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 and all I could think of is if some conservative said I'm li- never listening to a black woman's opinion on anything they would have been crucified but it's this double yeah, standard it'd be national news, I mean yeah it'd be national news and it, you just you never yeah. see anybody again it's already decided that's it it's already decided it's crazy stuff. Um, like I told you, Mike, the fix is in. And you know, Landfield's funny. I get along with the guys. Sometimes we butt heads and swing fists at each other. That's okay. We're guys. We can do that. But you know, i got to be honest, man. Jeff's got good sources. And, you know, sometimes I disagree with what he does, and sometimes he wants to shock jock it for whatever. But sometimes as well, Jeff is on, on point. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes he calls things out like he sees them like that, and that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it should be. Most people are afraid to do it. And there shouldn't be that double standard. There should be just the journalism, just the facts and everything else. But it's uh, – That's right. Uh, it's interesting we to watch. report, we decide. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, all right, we're 10 seconds out. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe and ring the bell. So you get notifications every morning. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, we're back now. Mike Shower is our guest. One final segment of the Shower Hour. Uh, we're just talking about some of the reporting out there. And I think that's part of the problem. I mean, I just talked about it. You know, you guys are down in Juneau. The only way that I find out about half the stuff that I find out about is talking to people who are working down there in Juneau, behind the scenes, who are willing to talk to me and share with me some of the, like I said, the insider baseball of what's going on. 
Uh, but it's because you guys are all down there in Juneau. Nobody else is on the ground. Nobody's hearing things. I mean, these people who talk to me, they're, I mean, they're obviously, you know, risking their jobs to talk to me and do this kind of stuff to give me some of the straight dope and, and some of the things that we just don't hear about. And part of that is you're in a bubble down there in Juneau away from everybody else. And the other part is, is that journalism is just, I mean, it's no longer invest in, 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 you know, investigative. It's basically just how do I rewrite this press release in, in the way that makes it sound intelligible? And, and that's it. I mean, where are the or hard questions? The yeah, exactly. Or how it fits the narrative. Where are the hard questions? I mean, there are some hard questions sometimes for some of the conservatives, but where are the hard questions outside of the narrative that's being pushed by the business as usual crowd? Well, like I said, Mike, if it uh, you know if it was the Juno Empire, the you know, Fairbanks News Miner, the Anchors Democratic Daily News, the Frontiersmen, the Matsu, they push an agenda. They suppress the people and the stories that. Um, they, they don't want out and they highlight and push the ones that they do. You just mentioned the one from Jeff Landfield, you know, on his landmine blog. And, you know, sometimes Jeff and I, we were talking about in the break, we swing at each other. Well, there were guys, we can do that. Then we laugh and move on. I like Jeff. And, you know, sometimes he shock jocks it for whatever. And he's got a lot of good sources because he's always running around the parties and everything down, Juno hanging out for the scoop. So, but, you know, he also gets it right. Sometimes point on, you said that he had just posted something about uh, a black candidate that said that she'd never listened to a white man. Everybody was jumping on him and giving him a hard time. But you made a point, which is spot on. If a white person said they were never going to listen to the opinion of a black person, boy, they would be, especially if it was conservative, they would be crucified. It would be national news. Your face would be plastered. You'd have, you'd have bullseyes over it, blah, blah, blah. You'd get doxxed and destroyed personally. They would destroy the, they would destroy the person because that's fine for the left. They don't mind destroying a person. That's okay if it, you know, the ends justifies the means. Right. So, you know, sometimes Jeff gets it right. And, you know, I've seen him do that at times where he'll just report it and whatever it is, it is. Right. And that's fair. And he just did that a couple of days ago. I'm going to give him a call. I'm going to give him a shout out on this one. He posted, um, you know, first I thought, oh, here we go again. He's talked about where is all the money for the, you know, uh, anti-recall done, the three million dollars, you know, right. this governor's group, blah, 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 whatever. You know, we should know this, be transparent. I go, OK, well, I agree. And I thought, but, you know, you're picking on one side. And then right below it, he posts another. He said, and the same thing goes for the recall dummy. Where's all that money? Blah, blah. Okay, Jeff, that's fair. That's absolutely right. fair and valid questions that we should be asking both sides, right? Everybody should be answering these questions. And uh, the problem is, is you don't see that in the most of our so-called journalists. When I get a blogger that's not a trained journalist doing it, but you have the <laughs> journalists that aren't doing that, Mike, because they're – holy crap, dude. What upside down Orwellian 1984 world do we live in? Right. Well, I mean, it, it is crazy. I mean, it, it's crazy when, as you point out, here we've got a fiscal policy working group with one of the most diverse groups of people in the legislature, people from all the way on the left and all the way on the right and everybody in between. And they come together and they kumbaya and they come to a unanimous decision and they lay it out there and it gets one or two stories in the paper. And then that's it. And not even a, oh my gosh, look at all these people working. It's just kind of this dry reporting of this is what they found, this is what they decided. And then it just it fades into the background. And nobody asks the question, wait a second, they just spent 90 hours over two weeks or three weeks or whatever it was trying to come Five up with weeks. this plan. Yeah, they all agreed, and yet nothing has been done to it. I mean, at some point, somebody's got to go, wait a second, who are you guys earning your bacon here? Is anything happening? Or you guys just and yet I get hyper partisan trolls on my social media telling me that I'm I'm hyper partisan, right? I'm going if I'm hyper partisan, why am I working with the Democrat in the House for a middle ground election bill that will move forward on some issues 
if I'm hyperpartisan, how come I was on a fiscal plan working group and stepped off of every one of my positions, as did the Democrats and the liberals, to meet in the middle to come up with a solution? Don't give me your freaking hypocritical lies. There's a number of us, Mike, that are working on things and trying to do something good, yeah. even though it's not exactly what we want. Well, And we get nothing but lies or suppression or obfuscation at every turn by people in the press, by people on social media. It doesn't matter. They don't really care. They want it their way or the highway. I heard that from a state senator not too long ago on the floor. But the ones that are their way or the highway are not us. Right. Well, you know what it shows me? I mean, you just you kind of just succinctly nailed it in a nutshell there on the fiscal policy working group. You know, you've got the people on the left and the people on the right, and they both compromised, came to the middle and came to unanimous decision. You know what that tells me? It tells me that all the people who are in leadership, who are pulling all these strings, they're the ones that want this contentiousness to continue. They're the ones that are dividing people and creating this divisive environment. And I think it's all to pay homage to the fact that they want things to continue as they are. They're happy with that because, as you said earlier, some of them just want their hands on the levers of power or on the money. They know better than us how to do all this, and so they want to remain there, and that's part of the problem. Nothing's going to change until something changes, right? we got the same people in these positions of uh, leadership on both sides of the aisle. we got the same people sitting at the finance tables. we got the same people sitting in the in the uh, <clears throat> you know the presiding officers positions or in these the, the the chairs of these really powerful committees that are essentially almost puppeteering behind the scenes. The same people are there. And until that changes, Mike, nothing's going to change. Yes. And you've got it when you look at who's in leadership in both bodies right now, almost every one of them, with the, with the exception of maybe a couple, like, and I'll give you, you know, kind of Costello and Hughes, right? Trying. The way outnumbered. You look at the leadership in both bodies, and it's pretty much the same people that have cycled in and out of leadership for years. This is not a this-year problem or last-year problem. These people have cycled in and out of leadership for years. Some of them have been there for decades. Right. And decades. And they're the same people in the same positions, and people wonder why we can't get anything done. And when you try to form an organization, you get promises, okay, maybe this time, Charlie Brown, and maybe we should have not bought it, right? And go, okay, well, I think maybe we can work together on this one, and you get screwed again, right? That's why I keep bringing up the Charlie Brown analogy, because it's apt in this case. But I'll promise you this, brother. Next year, running, coming back, I'm not going to be in a group like this again. This ain't happening next time. Either there will be a different organization or I'll be in a minority off on my own throwing spears because I am not going to get rolled by the same power players and the same garbage once again. There will be a different structure and there will be different people in charge. And some people need to go down and live in the basement. Because I am sick and tired of playing this game. So if the people will help us and send us some different folks, maybe we'll actually get something done. Maybe we'll actually have the house next year. Um, and we'll have two bodies that were lined up with the governor to do something done. I mean, there's unknowns, right? I mean, like if Walker comes back, we're screwed. There goes your dividend. Might as well just write the check to China here by Alaska. You know, we're done. But, I mean, these are the kind of things that we're contending with, Mike, so we'll see what happens. But I'm done with playing this, you know, same people got to be in power or it ain't going to work game. That doesn't work. Yeah. People are getting screwed. I'm, I'm tired of it. Well, we, we've got a ways to go, that's for sure. We're down to the last minute or so here. Uh, you know, we thought that by eliminating the binding caucus, we'd fix a lot of it, and we fixed some of it, but it also brought yeah. to light all these other problems. And that's the thing. As you fix one thing, you discover things underlying it that are even more. We've got to work our way through this. We can't grow weary in well-doing. We've got to do it. One minute. Go ahead. Well, let's let's pivot back to the I'll, – I'll make it quick, but, you know, number one, 
Um, you know, this is why I keep harping on the Constitutional Convention, because if we're going to show we're dysfunctional, can't solve it, I'm still telling you, Michael, you guys are going to have to do it. We're going to have to come up with a good plan and, and get good people, and we're going to have to do that, because the legislature is not going to solve it, and it's not going to get better. And God help us if Walker or somebody else gets in what they would do to the state. So I just I pivot back to it. Be prepared, folks. I still think that's the ultimate answer to get it done. And I will tell you this in my last 20 seconds. For some reason, the first hour seems to go slow. This is almost better, although I don't want to get up at 6 a.m. and do this every Wednesday. But the other the seven days just fly by yeah it's time i'm kind of cool with that well see you know it's that time dilation as you get older it happens to you i mean i'm just saying i, I think yeah. you're older than me so i think i could say that old man you know oh, what it happens That's what, yeah. i'm a spring chicken <laughs> <Touch> yourself <laughs> uh all right mike shower our guest for hour one thank you my friend it was good to hear from you appreciate you coming on Hey, that's good. You got it, brother. Talk to Kevin because I'll be doing the same thing he's doing with Washington. I'm filing concurrent bills. So you guys talk about that when it's a big oh, deal. Oh, good deal. Good deal. All right, folks, we're out of time. Hour two is dead ahead. Kevin McCabe joins us here on the program, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, brother. One, I'll give you one final bite at the apple because that's how I roll. We'll give you one final bite at the apple and you can uh, give us all your all your thoughts here on this. Um, as well, we, we go through to, here, we need to change stuff, Mike. I pivot back to the Constitutional Convention. I still think that's probably ultimately the answer. Maybe we'll do something this time. Maybe we won't. Um, talk to Kevin McCabe. Talk through that. You know, with the Washington stuff, with what they're hitting us with the taxes, because we need to uh, we need to fire back. And I'm going to file try to file committee bills for the same things he, he's doing in the House, because he won't get them moved over there probably, but we can in the Senate. And we got to make changes, Mike. We just do. And I think people are um, people are tired of getting screwed over. I'm tired of watching people get screwed over. I'm tired of getting rolled, you know, by the old power players. So yeah. you know, some changes need to be made. So we're gonna we'll see what the people do this November on different issues, and I guess we'll handle whatever you know chocolate mess we've been given. But brother, we got problems and we got to solve them. And sitting around kicking the can down the road is not working. And letting a few people decide for us, including the powerful, the wealthy, the elite, the special interests, the unions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-uh. It's time to make sure the people are taken care of. So, yeah. We'll see where it goes, brother, but we got well, our work cut out for us. I think, we, I think we need to issue everybody an enormous pair of scissors and just look for the puppet strings. That's what we need to do and just start clipping everywhere. And if anybody's floating around doing stuff like that, then immediately they get the they get the clip and uh, we move on from there. We've got to change the players out. That's, that's the bottom line. We've got to change these players because you can't expect somebody who created the problem, who's been there for 25 or 30 years, who created the problems that we're looking at here, you can't expect them to have the foresight to be able to pull you out of it. It's just, it's just, that's ridiculous. And uh, Well, I will listen with great interest to uh, your Tuckerman Babcock interview tomorrow. That ought to be an interesting one to watch, just like Von Emhoff has dropped out now, maybe more for personal reasons than other stuff. But, I mean, there's already some dynamics changing just with who's running and who isn't. Yeah. So it would be interesting to watch. Well, I'm uh, I'm interested to see what happens, and we'll be watching this closely. Uh, Senator Mike Shower, as always, my friend, thanks for stirring the pot with us this morning. We appreciate it. You got it, brother. We'll talk to you next week. You guys take care. All right. Thanks so much. Mike Shower, our guest here on the program uh, for the Shower Hour of Power this morning. All right. Um, let me see. Let me get all this squared away. Look at us. Look at us doing our thing here. Uh, Susie said... I just saw this out of the corner of my eye. I was reading this. Bert Stedman has filed to run for office, but his appreciation, I'm assuming she means his application, has been denied because he has no current POFD on file, 
which is the public official financial disclosure form. Um, I hadn't heard about this, um, and we'll have to see. I haven't. I hadn't heard about that, Susan. Can you can you drop me a link, Susie, on that? I mean, is there a, a news story or something on that that we can find out more about? Because I'm interested. Because if he has filed for our office but has been denied, does that mean that he – it means he either has to get the POFD on file or he's got to get something going on, uh, or he won't be running for re-election, which I would say was probably good news. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, who voted for the leadership in the Senate? It was who they have now with no objection, says Pamela. Well, yeah, I mean, they voted for what they had in front of them. Um, it's, uh, it's you know, but, but as he said, he's going to, uh, you know, this next go around, he's not going to, he's not going to, you know, they promise you, they promise you, we're going to take care of it. It's going to be a caucus of equals. And then it turns out that it's not. Well, this won't be the same way when they come back to reorganize. So this should be pretty Interesting. Um, Rob Myers in the chat room tells us the POFD is due on March the 15th. He'll likely refile then. So we'll see what comes out of that uh, financial disclosure. Is there something that he is trying to hide, as Susie is saying, or is it just he doesn't want to be bothered with it until the absolute deadline? I guess we'll be watching that question. Um <clears throat> All right. Looks like we've got uh, <clears throat> looks like we've got our next guest on the line, uh, Kevin McCabe, with us uh, in the virtual green room. Hello, my friend. Good morning. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay. Are you uh, you ready to rock and roll this morning? Well, yeah. That now that uh, now that Mike's got everybody all upset, I get to come in and clean up. Huh? Yeah, no, you're on the cleanup crew today, and it's a tough act to follow. But I have full full faith that you will you will do a fantastic job here on this. We're getting ready to uh, we're getting ready to uh, uh, dive into this whole thing on the Washington State uh, and their tax and what it would mean for Alaska, and we'll get we'll get that out of the way as well. And maybe we can get a temperature a, a temperature check on the uh, state house as well to give us you can give us kind of a rundown of how things are feeling in there as well. And you were part of the fiscal policy working group. Um, I mean, are your fellow uh, representatives on both sides of the aisle? Are they? Are they feeling some of the same frustrations some of us are that are, you know, are watching this and watching what happened with the recommendations? Absolutely. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Carpenter uh, as well, he he brings it up as much as Shower does, um, you know, that uh, we spent a lot of time working on it. And it's just yeah. a shame that leadership won't uh, entertain any part of it. Yeah. Well, and how amazing it was that you had such a diverse group of people come together in unanimity and and basically say together that yeah this is the solution, and then to have everybody ignore it it's uh, amazing at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you should have JKT on sometime. You know, he's in large part uh, we didn't really select him as a leader. Uh, Luis and uh, and Peter Machiki put him in there. Um, we thought that we were going to be able to select our own leader, but he did a bang up job of keeping this all on track, and yeah. even even just the mechanical part of it, he did a really great job. Well, we'll see if we can get uh, some info on him and get him uh, on the program to discuss it. So hold the line here, Kevin. We're going to be right back to you. We are jumping back into it. Um, hour two is dead ahead, folks. If you would, would you like and share this video, please? If I beg on my hands and knees, will you like and share this video? Let's get more Alaskans involved in this discussion. 
Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can like and share. You can also like and follow the show page to get notifications every morning when we go live. And as a backup, you can go over to our YouTube channel and hit subscribe and ring the bell. That's the way to do it. All right, here we go. Diving back into it. Hour two of the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live across the world at MichaelDukeShow.com every morning with our audio-only stream. And, of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Uh, thank you for coming on board and joining us. Hour two of the big radio broadcast. And, again, full boat today. Normally in hour two we hear from Mike Shower, uh, But we had him on early this morning to kind of liven things up. And that means we needed to bring on a second guest for today. And that is my friend Kevin McCabe, GOP state senator for what is now District 8. I can't remember what it's going to become, but it's going to become something different here once the redistricting is done. But Kevin McCabe comes on board. Today we're going to talk about, and I almost hate to use this word, but I think it, I think it fits, retaliatory measures against the Washington state's fuel tax proposal, which is going to affect the state of Alaska in a lot of big ways. We're going to find out from Kevin what those ways are, how much it would cost us, and what he is doing with a couple of bills to fight back on this. And this is not the first time this battle has been fought, but it is the first time for Kevin McCabe. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Michael. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay. So let's talk about this. Um a lot of people aren't are haven't been following along. They haven't been paying attention. They, they they haven't heard about this. But there is a proposal in the state of Washington to raise a six uh, cent per gallon export tax on fuel refined in Washington State, going every place else, and that's going to have a dire impact on the state of Alaska. Most people have not heard about it, and so let's uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the history of it and what it would mean to Alaskans. Sure. Well, uh, last week, I think on Wednesday, um, uh, I, got, I happened to notice a tweet from uh, from the governor that mentioned something about Washington and estate tax. And about the same time, I got a phone call from a friend, actually my office did, and an email that said, hey, did you know that this is going on here? You know, I've been watching the Washington legislature, and uh, um, they... Um, they're doing this thing, and uh, it's SB 5974 and HB 2119, and it's a 16-year, $16 $16.8 billion transportation package 
And the fourth largest funding mechanism for this package, and keep in mind that Washington says that their representatives say that they do not need the money. They have $14.2 billion in savings right now, so they don't need the money. And I've talked to some of their reps down there. Um, but the, the fourth largest uh, funding mechanism is a $0.06 cent per gallon export-only fuel tax, which is projected to raise $2 billion over those 16 years. Um, that tax would essentially go to Idaho, Oregon, and Alaska because we import uh, a good chunk of our fuel from the state of Washington, from the Washington refineries. Um, there was a quote in there from uh, um, his name is Jake uh, it's spelled F F E Y, but I think it's pronounced Phi. He says we bear the brunt for the environmental impacts that are created by having the refineries here in the state. In terms of fairness, I think it is only appropriate since we produce the fuels for their use that they support our climate activities. That's a really cool word, mm -hmm. and our overall activities in the package. Right. So, um, you know, I'm a conservative Republican. I don't want to tax anybody. You know that taxes is a bad word for me. And, uh, and I definitely don't want to raise tariff and start a tariff war because that's good for nobody. But, uh, Washington has a bunch of fishing boats that come up here and they squander. If you think about the bycatch in many cases, our resources, they affect our resources. They're running their boats in our pristine environment and they're, um, you know, the trawl bycatch and, and all of that sort of thing. So I thought, Hmm, Maybe there's a quid pro quo in here that uh, that we could go after. Right. So, well, yeah, and Alaska is really affected by this again because, I mean, uh, we we've stopped refining most of our own petroleum. We used to refine a lot more of it. We you know we used to have two refineries that did it: one in North Pole and one down in Nikiski. And now the one in Nikiski is basically just doing some gasoline, but this the diesel and a lot of the generation petroleum that needs to be used for power generation is coming up on barges from Washington State. In fact, we get 16% back in 2020, that's the last number, uh, is generated from petroleum. That's a huge number, especially when you consider most of that is going to affect rural areas. It's, it's, the, it's the villages and things on the rivers where they have to barge that stuff in every year that are going to be paying the highest price on this stuff. I mean, it is a significant amount of money. Absolutely. So I checked with Josiah Patkatak, Representative Patkatak, my friend from Uktiavik, and I said, hey, can you find out how much uh, how much fuel barrel uh, imports? 5.4 million gallons a year of jet fuel, avgas, mogas, and diesel fuel. 5.4 million gallons. Not all of that comes from Washington, obviously, but... It's still a huge, huge uh, increase in, uh, you know, sudden increase for the villages to uh, to absorb. And southeast, of course, Ketchikan, Sitka, Juneau, uh, some of the villages, Wrangell-Petersburg, all of those import much of their fuel from Washington. So, right. yeah, it was going to be a it was going to be a big number for us, and we're still putting together all of the total numbers uh, for the you know for when we present the bill. But um, yeah, it's crazy. Well, and I find it interesting. Now, you have filed a couple of bills in, uh, well, I guess in retaliation uh, on this. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened. The last time it happened, uh, some bills got put in that, again, would have struck back at Washington State, and they folded 
like a house of cards on it because they realize that that, that that's just not going to work because they are tied to Alaska in many ways in resources and fisheries and some of these other things. But let's talk a little bit about what you uh, what you have put forward in these two bills uh, that you have that are going to be introduced in the House. And Mike Shower just said he's going to be uh, introducing companion bills in the Senate. So tell us a little bit about these bills. Right. And, and you know, you said it exactly right, just to pivot a little bit. It, and Governor Dunley, we said it as well. I thought that we were partners with Washington. I thought they were a neighbor state that we were partners with in resource development and fisheries and that sort of thing. And, um, and it just appears like they don't uh, have that same mindset. So to that end, I resurrected an old bill that Mike Chenault put in, Speaker Chenault, in 2009 when Washington tried to do the same thing. And that's right now House Bill 361, which is a $15 a barrel surcharge on oil leaving our state that goes to a refinery or to a state that has refineries that are going to tax us for the finished product on the way back and, and only tax us. Right. So... um when that happened in 2009, it got to be such a big kerfuffle down there in, in uh, Washington State that their speaker called Speaker Chenault and said, what would, what can we do to make this go away? And essentially, uh, Mike Chenault said, well, you pull your bill and I'll pull my bill. And, you know, that obviously is the ultimate out- outcome of what I'm doing right now is um, I don't want to tax anybody. I don't want to start a tariff war. Heck, that's what the Interstate Commerce Clause is supposed to prevent. Right, right. Uh, but, but you know, if you start something, uh, I'm going to protect Alaska because that's what I that's what I promised to do. And that is HB 361, you said? 361 is the per barrel uh, surcharge. Right. And you've got a second and, one that's a new one that uh, I love how you've, you've crafted the six cents in there for each one of those things, although I think a, a $6 one for the mooring fees would probably make more sense. But six cents, uh, give us the second one. Yeah, so the second one is House Bill 393, and we haven't put the mooring charges in there yet. We just ran out of time. We had a hard stop of Friday afternoon, um, and uh, so we're going to put those in as an amendment. But uh, it's uh, uh, right now it's six cents a pound. Uh, landing tax uh, per pound of fish uh, caught by any boats in Alaska, and then we will credit, of course, Alaska boats. and the And the credit is a, is an attempt to get around the interstate commerce clause. So we're we're taxing any everybody, and then we're just crediting you if you live in and and are based in, and your boat is based, your business is based in in Alaska. Right. Uh, so. And then when we add the amendment, it'll be a six cents per foot per day state mooring charge if you are moored up or anchored up in any of our harbors, state harbors, uh, for however long. Like I said, I think it should be six dollars instead of six cents. I know you were. You know, it's, a, it's I know amazing you... the number. Go ahead. The number. Well, it's amazing the number of people that have said exactly that. It needs to be more. People have uh, people have come to me. Fellow representatives have come to me and said, "Our Copper River Reds they need a twenty dollar per fish surcharge because we don't need Pikes Landing anymore." Right. Well, I mean, I think I think that you know, uh, and I understand the synchronicity of what you were looking for here on the six cents. You know, you were trying to send a message, but at some point you got to say, "Hey, six bucks a foot for a hundred and fifty foot vessel uh, a day that'll make a difference." I mean, that'll start uh, start raising some flags. 
Um, right. So this is, you know, the hope here, as you said before, is essentially what happened back in 09. The hope is, is that somebody will get a call from somebody in Washington that says, hey, we really don't want to do this. What do we do? And everybody agrees to take their hands off their pistols and step back and uh, take a deep breath kind of thing. Uh, that's absolutely yeah. that's absolutely my hope. Yeah, because this is because this is a this is a gunfight. I mean, this is what we're this is what we're dealing with, where they're going to try and foist this onto the backs of everybody. Else. And surprisingly, um, I had to laugh. Even the governor of Oregon was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" And gov- and Oregon is you know about as blue as you get on the West Coast. Uh, but even they were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't do that. Uh, you're going to disproportionately blah blah blah." I mean, this is affecting everybody's ox is getting gored on this, except for Washington states. Right, and and you know, effectively, it's taxation without representation for us. And and frankly, I had a bunch of co-sponsors on this bill immediately. The the cool thing about Chenault's bill, he had 25 co-sponsors uh, when the when the House uh, Speaker of the House in Oregon called him, or I'm sorry, in Washington called him. So, yeah, no, I I I would agree that that's what needs to happen. What's the response been so far from the? mixed bag in the legislature well for the house the house side i guess so far it's been uh, pretty good i haven't talked to too many folks on the other side in the coalition uh, but a, but a few of them and they're very uh, very interested in it um for the same reason they not, they don't necessarily want to uh, tax uh, washington but they don't want to pay for washington's electric ferries either when we're struggling to pay for our own ferries so, uh, and you know, a lot of this money, Washington's been trying to do this for years. Apparently I talked to several of their legislators and they, after they got done saying, thank you, uh, they were describing to me what they've been going through as Republicans to get to this. Uh, and it, and it hasn't been pretty. Right. It's been a, it's been a tough fight for them down there as well. We're talking with Kevin McCabe, GOP state rep for district eight, we're going to talk to him about the process on these two bills, which are HB 361 and 393. Is that the other one or 363? 393. 393. Okay. So HB 361 and HB 393, we're going to talk with him. We'll continue this discussion here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We will be back with more. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. When we return, it'll be more of Kevin McCabe, and we're going to get some insight into the legislature as a whole as well. That's all coming up dead ahead. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh, Kevin McCabe is our guest. Yeah, I mean, I say six bucks a foot, Kevin. That means the average 150 foot v, uh, 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 a vessel would have to pay something like 900 bucks a day extra. That would get somebody's attention. You know, you start right. talking about having to pay thirty thousand uh, dollars for every month that you're moored up there. That would that would make a difference. Yeah, well, you would think so. I, I hope so. I've already talked to some of the fishing vessels and uh, and their uh, lobbyists and representatives and 
and they actually support what I'm trying to do because, of course they do, because uh, they don't want any of this kind of stuff to go on at all. Right. You know, any more tax is going to cause more price of fish and more cost of doing business. Even the six cent a gallon tax that uh, Washington is going to levy will cost them a lot more money when they're fishing up here for sure. Well, sure, because you got a ten thousand gallon fuel tank in your vessel and you got to fill it. That I mean, all of a sudden you're talking real money. Uh, right. You know, when it comes down to it. Um, let's see. Um, I saw something about a midwife. Laura is asking about the midwife bill. I haven't heard anything about this, so I don't know if you want to comment on it. Are you familiar with the bill that we're talking about? And can you give us any kind of insight into what that covers or? Um, I am familiar with it. I haven't really checked, uh, since I got back down here, we were, uh, the Valley delegation was in district last weekend. I haven't really checked to see. Uh, where it is, but my sense is that it, it has uh, pretty broad support. Uh, certainly all the Valley delegation is supporting uh, the midwife bill. And what, what's the change? What's the change in the bill, just so that we know what's going on? I think it's just uh, it's just giving, and like I say, I really haven't looked at it that much, but it's uh, sort of reauthorizing the midwife uh, um, uh, position, if you will. So just reauthorizing them to be able to do what they do, essentially, um, right. and keep that going for the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I got to – I got to. oh, it's sunsetting, says Terry. It's it's a sunset. So this is just renewing what is already sunsetting. Okay. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, thanks for helping us out, Terry. Um, yeah. I think everybody in, the, everybody in the chat room has said at least once or twice, somebody's like – McCabe needs to put more teeth in these bills. But I, I think the point is, is not necessarily you want to go gung-ho, fists flying and everything else. You're looking to stare them down, right? So it doesn't need to necessarily be so over the top that it makes everybody pucker up and, and go back to their respective corners and cry. It's more about uh, getting them to pay attention that there are consequences to the actions at this point, right? Sure. And, and when every single co-sponsor starts to add in teeth and add their own amendments to give it more teeth, it will even make uh, the Washington state legislature sit up and take more notice. Right. So I left a little bit of room for him. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> left just enough for everybody to get their finger in the pie and see what goes on from there. Yeah, we, we definitely want to make them blink, uh, if nothing else. I would love to see an amendment that made the six cents to be $6. That would be a whole different uh a whole different change at that point. And I think probably you'd get some calls back from the Washington legislature. Right. And, you know, their they're Republicans uh, have been just so nice helping me and talking to me and willing to answer my questions. So um, the, I talked to the, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, Senate, uh, what is he called, the chair of the uh, leading, ranking member of the Senate Transportation Committee, a guy named Curtis King and the ranking member of the House Transportation Committee, a guy named Andrew Barkas, and both of them were, were very, very helpful and uh, very interested. So, Well, I guess my main question here is, I mean, and I love when you said that they're talking about climate impacts and our climate activities and our overall activities in the past. I mean, they've got money in the bank, they're ready to do it, but they want to create more, and they it, this is basically somebody's slush fund to go out and, and, and favor their pet projects, whatever their climate activities are at that point right right and it, you know uh, certainly i get called out for calling this a 
socialist bill because it does a lot for their transportation, their infrastructure, and that sort of thing. And it does, uh, but there's also a lot of Green New Deal in this bill and a lot of socialist activities. All right. Well, hold hold the line. We're going to dive back into this here in just a second. Uh, Kevin McCabe is our guest. We're going to talk about the future of this bill in the House and what the technical things that need to happen are. We're going to talk discuss that, and then we're going to get a sense of the House as well from Kevin as we return. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Share the show, like the video. Let's do it. All right, we're continuing now. Kevin McCabe is our guest, uh, GOP State Rep from District 8. And we're going to continue discussing with him. We're talking about House Bill 361 and 393. These are the two retaliatory bills that are being filed in response to the state of Washington wanting to put a $0.06 per gallon essentially export tax on any fuel that's refined, even Alaskan crude that's refined in Washington and then shipped back to Wash- uh, to Alaska. And the effect, <clears throat> the effects, of course, that that's going to have on us would be uh, large and, uh, and uh, you know, rippling out. It would, be a, it would be kind of a horrific thing. And so you've got these two bills that we hope are going to raise some eyebrows and get some attentions down in Washington State. So tell me about the procedure here on the bills. They've been introduced. Where do, where do we where does it go from here? What's the next step? Right. Well, the um, uh, the first bill, uh, which is uh, three sixty one, which is the fifteen dollar an hour search or uh, sorry, fifteen dollar barrel surcharge on uh, on oil, uh, it is in. Um, it starts out in resources and then goes to finance and. Uh, committees and i've talked to some of the resource committee members already and uh, they're going to help push it through Uh, hopefully i can get the uh, coalition on board the resource members coalition on board and and, you know i I mean the ultimate goal right now michael would be for the washington state legislature uh to come up and say hey we're gonna take that six cents off they didn't do it yesterday they had quite a spirited debate in their transportation house transportation committee specifically on the six cent a gallon tax and specifically on the bills that I had just filed. And then they, they met and debated it and they still passed it out of the house with that six cent a gallon uh, tax. So it it is going to uh, the full floor probably next week. I understand. Right. Um, So the, the fish tax bill goes through fisheries and then resources and then, finance as well, I believe. It's got three committees of referral, but I sit on fisheries, and I've already talked to the committee chairperson, uh, Representative Tarr, and uh, she understands, and she's interested. And so, and I, and I've also talked to the speaker, who is very interested in, in helping quell this tax, because it's certainly not going to be good for the fishing fleet in Kodiak. Kodiak imports a chunk of fuel from Washington, and so, um, Nobody in Alaska wants to see that tax go through, and, and frankly, none of us want to retaliate. But it is what it is, right? And uh, you know, and I guess I and I look at this, and the other bill is just being introduced. Is that re- re- correct? Three three ninety three. It's just been introduced, and it only has the 
six cents per. Uh, it only has the uh, six cents uh, per landed pound. Is that the is that the only measure that's in it right now? Right. Okay. And so and uh, they've both been read out. They were both read across the floor yesterday. So okay. they're, they're both fairly uh, new. Yeah. So those are going to go through committees and they're going to go through the committee process and they'll eventually end up on the floor. Uh, so although Washington may be hearing their bill uh, next week, and of course there's always the possibility that, and I don't know, did Inslee say anything on this? Did he say he was in support of it? I can't remember if um, he said that he was in full support of it or not, or was he um, was he willing to to veto that component of it or the bill itself? I can't remember. Uh, he's in support of it from what I understand. That's what got uh, Governor Dunleavy uh, alarmed is uh, Inslee's uh, support, obvious support of this bill. So, Okay. Of the Washington bills. Right? Well, I guess here's the irony of the whole situation for me, Kevin, and I'll let you comment on this. But, you know, I think that even, I mean, let's just say hypothetically everything passes, right? The six cents per gallon tax passes in Washington. And we pass uh, both of the measures, uh, the six cents per pound and the six cent per mooring fee and the $15 per barrel uh, export to Washington and all that kind of stuff. The, the bottom line is, is that even though they are retaliatory and they're going to cost people down there, the problem is, is that the citizens of Alaska are still not going to feel any relief. They're still going to have to pay that extra six cents a gallon on any of the fuel products that are purchased out from Washington. The state is going to receive any monies that come out of this. It's not going to go back to them as a rebate. And so while, again, I don't don't think that I'm not endorsing these ideas, I'm just saying that that's the irony of it. The, the people lose in the end. The government wins. The people lose. On both sides, the government wins. The government of Washington, the government of Alaska, they win. And the people are the one that lose on this. And this is the irony of a situation of a resource state like Alaska. Sure. And it's the, it's the problem with any tariffs uh, or tariff war like this is uh, the, the people are always the losers. Uh, in in a, a little bit of of the fisheries case, the landing tax case, some of that money goes back to the communities where the fish are landed. And I have yet to look into that, but I remember a bill uh, that sunsetted, that we extended the sunset on last uh, session that uh, Representative Edgman, uh, the rules chair, was uh, was pushing through that had to do with the landing tax and the money that goes back to the communities. So while it might not go right back directly into the Alaskans' pockets, it at least gets closer to them by going to the community rather than the state. Right. But again, we fall into that same problem of somehow our politicians know better than us how that money needs to be spent. And right. so we're kind of we're kind of at the same impasse that we were before. So we're going to hear we should hear more next week from Washington on what they're going to do. And I'm assuming that if they decide to pull the six cents per gallon out of that or exempt Alaska or however they need to do it, uh, that will happen. And then your bills will then be pulled uh, at that point as well. Otherwise, we just continue on this game of chicken, essentially. Essentially, that's correct. I'm getting ready to order a, a copy of the U.S. Constitution and mail it to all the Democrats in the Washington legislature. <laughs> well, and I saw that, that you made that comment that you're, you're that you're not even sure that this complies with the Commerce Clause um, of the Constitution on this, because again, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to prevent. It's supposed to prevent tariff wars and excise wars between the states uh, and doing that. Um is this, I mean, was this not heard back in 2009? Did somebody not push this or did it die quickly enough that it never moved beyond that? 
I think it died quickly enough uh, that it, that uh, they just uh, dropped it and moved beyond it. So uh, they claim uh, the Washington legislature claims that there's already precedent for precedents for this in Florida, Louisiana, and a couple of neighboring states down there. I haven't looked at that at what they're talking about for precedent. Um, so so I'm not sure. What worries me is is a liberal. You know, they they put this six cent a gallon tax in place. And we take them to court, and three years down the road, it finally gets to the courtroom, and we've been paying the tax for three years. And then a liberal judge says, no, it's okay, good to go, and now it's kind of too late to react to it. So I'm thinking reacting now and being a little proactive is going to be a better idea. No, I would agree. I would agree. And I would hope to see more bipartisan support for these bills, both yours and Mike's, when he uh, introduces his in the Senate. I would hope to see more bipartisan support for that because, again, a lot of oxes are getting gored in that, especially for the rural contingent of legislators. They should be, uh, you know, fighting back against this kind of stuff tooth and nail. Um, Absolutely. It would be really great to have 40 co-sponsors on this bill that would send a huge message. Yeah, no, absolutely. It would be be amazing. And so we'll see what uh, – we'll see what happens on that. Um, all right. Well, let's move on, Kevin, here to a sense of uh, the legislature. We were just talking with Mike uh, Shower about, you know, kind of the things that kind of the things that most Alaskans don't know. Right. Things that they're not hearing. I mean, I'm hearing things because I've got some contacts in Juno that I can I can pick their brains on and talk about different things and get some of the feel. But most Alaskans can't afford to come down to Juno, hang around the halls of power, get the, the scuttlebutt, as it were from around there, hear the rumors and everything else. And our, quite honestly, our, our journalistic uh, friends over there in the fifth column, they, they, they can't, uh, the fifth, fifth column, fifth estate, sorry, they, they can't even, uh, they can't even seem to really dig into any of these things. And so we're not hearing uh, stuff. And so we don't really know what's going on. Um, we know that there have been some bills that uh, have come in to talk about um, the PFD, specifically Ivy Sponholtz's bill, which is the funding for the education out of the POMV, leaving essentially a leftover PFD for the people. Uh, And there's been a lot of rumbling and support and how it's got some momentum and everything else. Meanwhile, Alaskans continue to testify at almost every meeting that has anything to do with a PFD bill that they would like to see their statutory PFD, and they keep getting poo-pooed. They keep getting shot down. I mean, whether it was Andy Josephson last, uh, last part of the session, Uh, After three hours of testimony or four hours of testimony with 96% opposed, telling him they just didn't understand, or Senate Senate, uh, uh, Finance Chair Stedman saying, oh, you guys are all hallucinating and you're on drugs kind of thing. I mean, we're not really getting a feel for what's happening in Juneau. Can you give us a a pulse? Can you tell us what's going on down there? Well, I suspect that uh, some of those bills, such as the one that... uh, uh put 75% towards education is designed to draw in or to give some of those folks who ran on their pro PFD stance last time uh, to give them a little bit of cover to see if their constituents aren't more pro education than they are pro PFD. Um, and, and I'm specifically thinking of, uh, of uh, representative Schneider who was a ardent PFD supporter when she ran last time, and it turns out that she's not so much a full PFD supporter now. Right. And uh, this type of bill is uh, probably designed to give her cover 
So she can vote against the full PFD and still have the cover of saying, well, I voted for that because of the education component. Right. So everything that you, everything that's happening right now, we need to color with the fact that it's an election year. Right. Well, this does appear to be more posturing. It does appear to be more constituent shopping at this point. You know, special interest. Oh, we'll we'll protect the children. We'll protect the uh, we'll protect the education spend above all else. So vote for this bill, and we'll fix all that. And and quite honestly, Alaskans are seeing through that, and they're tired of it. And I mean, the the overall feel, even mentioned in the uh, article uh, in the ADN talking about the two bills that are in the Senate, that people are frustrated. They are frustrated and they're angry and they're sick and tired of basically, I think, um, I'll call it being talked down to by their elected officials as if somehow uh, just because they say, oh, you guys are all living in la-la land and it's not going to happen, that it can't happen. It just means that the political will is not there. Um, and I I got to wonder how many of your fellows across the aisle in the coalition are starting to feel some of the heat from their own constituency and would rather take these things to the floor and hash it out and get it done. I hope a lot of them, frankly. I think, you know, this is, we, you know, I've said this since I got in here, Michael, or even before then, we have to get the PFD off the table so we can talk about things like education. Throwing more money at education is not going to help our problem. It's just not. Um, there are some bills out there that would be, would be awesome. The read by nine bill that Senator Shower talks about. Some of those kinds of things would be uh, would be great, but even those right now are being overshadowed by the the goofy comments coming out of Senate Finance with the uh, what are you on drugs? Uh, I I can't even remember how that went, but right. Um, you know that's that's crazy talk. Uh, you know, there's seven hundred fifty thousand people in in Alaska that we're responsible to that we work for that are telling us that we need to change, change what we're doing. Right. And we best start listening to them or we're going to find ourselves out on the street or out on our boats as the case may be. Well, and even, even if, I mean, even going back to the education, I mean, they are still sitting on by some accounts between seven and $800 million in federal monies that they haven't even allocated or spent yet. And they're looking for more as we, this seems to be the, all the problem. Oh, well, we just need more money. That's the answer to everything. We just need more money. We just need more money. Yet we continue to rank in the bottom uh, scholastically. I mean, if you were asking a company to produce a product and they produce this subpar product over and over and over again, and all they said is, well, we need more money to make a better product. I mean, at some point you got to say, well, wait a second, maybe what you're doing is not working. If you keep producing a subpar product, maybe we should re we should, you know, re uh, rethink the whole manufacturing process, so to speak. And yet nobody wants to do that with education. It's like the, you know, the golden calf. Nobody can talk about it. Nobody can look at it. Yeah, no, I agree. And in fact, if you look in the Alaska Policy Forum uh, website, there is an article on how much money the school districts still have left from the from the uh, pandemic and from the ARPA and CARES funds. I think Anchorage, I think they were given one hundred and sixty-five million dollars, and they still have one hundred and forty-five million dollars left. So it's a little bit hard to come to the legislature and cry poor mouth when you have that amount of money sitting in your bank account. Doesn't stop uh, them from doing it, though, does it? No, it sure doesn't. And, and you know, when we say, well, wait a minute, uh, you got all this money, show us how you're going to change your programs so that we are not 49th in the nation 
when our kids graduate. They're not coming out 49th in the nation or 48th, whatever it is, depending on math or reading. And uh, and so far, crickets to that question. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, and this is, of course, part of our continuing problem is that nobody, everybody refuses to face the issues that are truly costing us money. Nobody wants to look at the base problems with things like education and other things. Um, and until we address those issues, we're not going to be able to fix them. I mean, until we acknowledge that there's a problem, the problem is going to remain. Uh, we got more coming up. Uh, Kevin McCabe, one final segment with him. We're going to just let him off the chain here uh, in the next segment. We'll let him take over uh, and talk about anything he wants to talk about, including what is going to happen in his mind with the PFD and uh, the redistricting and, and everything else. We'll just bring it all to the table. That's all coming up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are in the break right now with Kevin McCabe. And uh, when we come back, i got to talk a little bit about our sponsors, and then we're going to give Kevin the floor to uh, just talk about all that stuff. Um, Kevin, a little preview. You want to tell us anything that, uh, again, going back to nobody's telling us anything and the journalists aren't really helping, anything that's going on in in, uh, Juneau that you think the people up here would be interested in hearing about that they probably don't know? Uh, well, it snowed last night, so <laughs> there, there is that, and it's kind of cold. Um, no, you know, I think the problem that we're facing right now, Michael, is um, we're getting to the end of, of the period where uh, they want us to be, the anti-PFD folks want us to be. They've just been waiting us out. So two or three years ago, we had thousands of people calling about the PFD a year ago, we had hundreds, and now we have uh, just dozens. People are getting what we call PFD fatigue, and uh, they don't see anything happening. And and frankly, they have lives to to uh, you know work and kids and school and everything else, and and they're they're just tired of fighting it. Yeah. So well, yeah. I was just going to say. I mean, I, last year I spent. I want to say it was almost three hours, two and a half hours on the phone waiting to be able to testify in the middle of the day, the middle of the work day, trying to do it. And would I do that again? I don't know, because I got chided later on that we just didn't understand. You know what I mean? I just got I, I got chided by Josephson and company when it was all said and done that we just didn't understand the real thing of what was going on. And so would I probably go through that again? Probably not, you know, to have to wait to do that. I mean, that, that that's frustrating to say, but you're right. They're just waiting it out. Right, and, and you know there is a mindset down here. Uh, some of those folks, uh, Natasha Von Imhoff, Senator Von Imhoff, was was uh, particularly vocal about that. Um, she was. I think I asked her a question once at a meeting before I got elected. I said, uh, and I might have already told you this on your show once. I said, um, "Don't you trust the people?" And she said, "Absolutely not. I don't trust the people to make that decision. They elected me based on my morals and my values." And now I'm down here to make my own decisions for them. And that's not how I roll. I mean, that's why we have these big town hall meetings. And, and uh, you know, I, 
I try to do what my constituents want. So. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is the same lady that dropped the... Uh... The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. I just don't fathom it. She just can't understand why her constituency would be so upset. I mean, why? I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. Why would you guys be? You're just so greedy. That's the problem. You're just so greedy. Uh, right. I mean, okay. I'm sorry that those of us making, you know, 100000 or less a year are scrambling and trying to figure out why we would want our full PFD for those reasons, living in one of the most expensive places in the country to live. I'm sorry that you have a hard time understanding that. Right. Well, notwithstanding the fact where she lives, and yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I so, mean, you know, go ahead. Well, my, my deal is, is, you know, we talked about the fiscal policy working group and the ability to compromise. And compromise didn't used to be a bad word. Right. It has become a bad word because the Democrats or the other side feel like compromise. For me to compromise means going completely over to their side. At least some of them do. Right. But if you can find a compromise where everybody's in the middle, everybody's a little pissed off because they didn't get exactly their way, um, then it might be a good compromise. And I'm sure that Harold doesn't understand that. He thinks I should be a full PFD guy. And frankly, I am right now because they have totally discounted any ability for my constituents to have a vote on the PFD. Right. Once they get back to that, possibly I would go back to 50-50, but. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's uh, it's it's a hard choice. Like you said, when you say I'm going to compromise and you step a quarter of the way there, they say, no, 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 you got to come all the way over here. That's real compromise. Not that they have to compromise on anything that they want. I mean, because that would be unthinkable. But you ha- compromise is basically agreeing with them on everything in their minds. They have right. no idea what the word actually means. That's that's right. the worst part of the whole thing. Yep, I agree. Kevin McCabe, our guest, uh, GOP state rep for District 8. What's your new district going to be, Kevin? It's going to be District 30. I just love how they just mix it up all the time. It's like people are like, wait, where am I? What was I What was I doing? Where am I? Who was I? Whom I am? I mean, oh, it's, yeah. the, the confusion is just awesome. It's real. I mean, it's real <laughs> and it is confusing. Um, and your district is going to be much larger now, right? This go around. I mean, this is a, you got to go all the way up to clear. Is that right? Right. And it it be about three times the area and I'll lose about, uh, I think 6,000 people. Wow. So, uh, you best be getting that little private plane to fly to all your constituents and go, go visit with them this week. Well, I've been thinking about going green and getting a Prius or an electric car. There you go. There you go. (laughs) We need an electric hand glider so you can fly to all these places and get your stuff done. All right. Well, hold the line here, Kevin. We're going to be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Folks, like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow, and make sure you hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube as well. We're about to jump back into it with Kevin McCabe on the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, welcome back to the program. Continuing now, uh, we've got Kevin McCabe waiting in the wings. But first, got to mention one of our sponsors. Uh, you know him, the Bivy Stick. 
the bivy stick i mean this thing is freaking cool it is the most feature rich sbd that's not silent but deadly but the short burst data device on the market well what is a short burst date what do you what is it it basically turns your cell phone into a satellite communications device you just download the app you pair it with the bivy stick and all of a sudden you can send emails you can send text messages you can send your location to anybody in the world using the same iridium satellites uh, network that uh, the Pivotel phones use for voice communication. You can do everything but voice, but only cost you $199 for this unit instead of a lot more, right? I mean, it's pretty simple and easy. And you've got a whole variety of different plans that you can use. Uh, the ultimate plan, which is the one that I'm on, the unlimited plan, 45 bucks a month for a year. No activation fees, no no anything else you get. Re- and I can send as many text messages or emails or download as many weather forecasts as I need. Um, I can lay pings down, like if I'm traveling and my wife wants to keep tracking me to make sure that I'm safe. She can, you know, every two minutes it drops a new pin on the map somewhere that she can follow. It's got a little button on it that allows me to check in. Like if I'm traveling or, uh, you know, you're out on the trail or you're out fishing at, uh, you know, Hinchinbrook or someplace and you want to drop a pin, you just push the button and it says, hey, all is well. Here's where I'm at. Or if you have an emergency, it's got a little red button that you push. It says, uh, hey, oh, hey uh, I've fallen and I can't get up. Here's where I am. Come help me. And for a re- for $199, bucks, uh, wow. And we all know that cellular congestion is a problem, right? I mean, it ha- during the 2018 earthquake, I had a hard time getting through on the phone lines because I think some of the towers had been damaged or taken offline, and everybody and their mother was trying to call each other to make sure everything was okay. Well, the best news is that when the cell towers go down, Bivy is still up and rolling. I'm buying one for my wife to have her throw it in her glove box. We're going to put her on the emergency plan, which is like 14 bucks a month, and it's got rollover and everything else, so she she doesn't use it. It just banks up the spots, and she can send as many texts as, as, as she has there. Uh, or she can send me a message or drop me a pin to say, hey, I'm okay. Here's where I'm at. Here's where everything. I mean, this is the most amazing thing. And as a as a, as a a mariner or as an aviator, to be able to download up-to-date, up-to-the-second weather forecasts, uh, I mean, Kevin, you're an aviator. I imagine that's probably a handy thing to be able to get those weather alerts immediately, right? Right. Right. So, I mean, this is some good stuff. Five days of continuous usage um, with a 10-minute tracking set. It'll It'll last five days on a charge. And they've got new features coming out all the time. So if you are a hunter, a fisher, a snow machiner, a doctor, a truck driver, a soccer mom, an Avon lady, whoever you are, this could be something to just throw in your little go bag and have with you. No matter what's happening, you can be in contact with those you love. You can find out more at SatelliteWest.com. Just click on the Bivy logo, or you can go to your authorized dealers in Dutch Harbor. It's Lundy Marine Electronics in Fairbanks. It's Arctic Fire and Safety in Homer, South Central Raider on the Spit in Soldatna. Uh, it's Safe and Sound, as well as Wasilla and Anchorage for Safe and Sound. In Kodiak, it's Radar Alaska. And in Seward, it's Communications North, the Bivy Stick. I get questions all the time. What was that thing you were talking about? The Bivy, B-I-V-Y, the Bivy Stick. Check them out today. Uh, proud sponsors of the program. Thank you for sponsoring the program. Kevin, uh, last uh, six, seven, eight minutes here. Uh, so uh, what, what's? give me the temperature in the legislature. What are we doing? What's going on? What do you think is going to happen with the PFD? How is the redistricting going to affect everything? Just uh, let, let your hair out here and uh, let us know what your, what your thoughts are. Well, the redistricting is going to make things very interesting, especially with some of the 
the peninsula, the folks that are running in the peninsula, um, some of the folks that didn't run, some of the open seats, folks, uh, uh, it's going to make it easier for some people to run. And I think it'll be, uh, it could do exactly what you want, which is change the players. And I think you're change the players, uh, uh, you know, one year for uh, uh, four or five uh, uh, sort of ways to shift the paradigm. Right. Change the leadership needs to be, uh, you know, obviously need to change the players to change the leadership. But that's that's a huge thing. I th- I suspect that maybe we have had leaders that are in here for too long. Uh, you know, maybe it would be okay to be here for more than two or three terms. If you weren't in leadership for all of those terms, right? You got people uh, in leadership who've been there for you know, two decades. I mean, at some point, you got to go. I think you've been here long enough, right? And and you know, truthfully, I see a, a comment in the in the chat room from Dwayne, and he says the more confusion, the easier for them to cheat. And a certain amount of that, I, I don't know about the cheating part, but the more confusion or the more they argue about the PFD, I think they like it. I think they want sure. the PFD. They want to argue about it. So, excuse me, so that they can do what they want to do with the other bills, such as education and and uh, uh, Title Four and and those sort of things. If we're all focused on the PFD, that kind of stuff gets done in the background, or or we pass it out so we can get to a right. a PFD bill. You know, well, they like the contentiousness because again, it keeps everything else tied up. It obfuscates the real problem which is a spending problem. I mean, that's really the bottom line problem that we have in this state. And that way they don't have to face that problem because they can always say, oh, we just go to the PFD. As soon as you lock the PFD up and you and you stabilize it in the Constitution with a set formula, then they have to acknowledge that what they have is a spending problem. And nobody wants to face that. And they want business as usual to continue. That's why they keep pushing and and uh, and creating and, and forcing all this confusion and contention. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, truthfully, we need to get our ducks in a row. I heard uh, some discussion yesterday that the price of oil might be north of $120 a barrel and maybe for as much as a year. Right. Uh, just based on what Biden's doing. So, and the Ukraine and, and everything else. So, um, now's our chance. Now's our chance to solve <laughs> problems, put money back where it belongs into the CBR solve the PFD issue, and then get on and work on Alaska's issues, education being number one, in my opinion. Right. Well, and the one thing that politicians seems to forget is that when the cotton is high for the state, $120, $150 barrel oil, it's the citizens again who are feeling the pinch, as I was talking about earlier. The the government's the only one that wins. All the people are suffering because the government's raking in money hand over fist, and we're paying for it on the other side because we're affected by those prices. Yeah, paying for it at the pump. The uh, the Washington State reps I was talking to said that their gas is up north of four dollars a gallon, and predicted to go another dollar twenty higher after all of this transportation bill is uh, is put in place. Even though they're not going to be paying that six cents a gallon tax. Wow, <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, five dollar a gallon uh, gas is not far away. I I think I yesterday I just paid. Uh, well, I was pumping premium, but it was still four dollars and twenty-five cents a gallon, or something. I mean, five dollar a gas is not far away from here. If it hits one hundred and twenty dollars a barrel, we're going to be uh, hurting for certain. Right, uh, Josiah Packetak told me that uh, Avgas in in Uptiavik is north of eleven, almost twelve bucks a gallon. Jeez, eh. 
Uh, well, I mean, these are the real issues that we need to face, and we can't face any of these real issues because the PFD is sucking up all the oxygen. So that's got to that's got to be done. Again, I go back to I wonder what your cohorts in the legislature feel on the other side of the aisle. Are they starting to feel that pressure, and are they willing to break the caucus's hold on them to take a stand on it? That's what I would love to hear. we got less than a minute here. I hope so. There, there are a number of them that agree with the PFD. They agree with us. Uh, uh, it's just uh, the fact that they're in the coalition that's uh, sort of a binding, a binding caucus, and they don't necessarily want to leap over that. Although this is a election year, so we'll see how many of them uh, bypass the coalition in favor of their <laughs> constituents. If we could just get a bill to the floor, boy. You know, maybe that would solve all the problems because then people could vote their conscience. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just living in la-la land. Kevin McCabe, thank you, my friend. It's good to hear from you. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Good to talk to you. All right. Hold the line for just one second. Folks, we're out of time. Tomorrow on the program, I believe we're going to hear from Tuckerman Babcock, who has just recently filed on the peninsula for the same seat as uh, Peter Machicki. And we're also going to uh, hear from uh, Elijah Dorkson, who is uh, the daughter of Papa Pilgrim, and she's written a book about that whole journey. It is intense. We're going to talk about that as well tomorrow. So let's do it. That's tomorrow right here, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Be kind to one another. Love one another. And live well. That's the best revenge. We'll see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great day. All right, one final bite at the apple. I'll give Kevin one final bite because we're in the break and we're done. So, Kevin, anything that we were supposed to hit or could have hit that we didn't, anything else you want to leave the listeners with, now's the time to do it. Well, there's a ton of those, but I will tell you, my wife is reading that book by uh, Elishaba, and uh, you are right. That is uh, one intense book. So I'm looking forward to listening tomorrow for both of your guests. Uh, I would love to hear Tuckerman talk in uh, in Elishaba as well. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be, I mean, it'll be a tough first hour, but uh, we're going to get some stories on that, and we'll see if we can get that story out there. And then uh, Tuckerman hoping to have him appear an hour too. So it should be a, it, you know, like I said, we got to change the players and to do that, especially changing leadership. This may be the answer that we're looking for. So we're hoping. I sure hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, Kevin McCabe, my friend, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on board. We will talk at you soon. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that's it for today. Go off with you. Enjoy yourselves. Remember, God loves you. So do I. And that, uh, again, just be kind. Love one another. And remember, this too shall pass, my friends. We will see you tomorrow.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 